give him praise in this place. Divinity incarnate 
creator of the world, breathing our air.
Good morning, Shelby Christian. <laughs> my name is Maria Aspiaga. Many of you know my husband. Where'd he go? There you are. And our kids, we've got a couple back here as well. Um, so this month during the Advent moment, we've talked about a few things. We've talked about faith, um, hope, joy. And today we want to reflect on love, which is probably one of the most important aspects, right, of the Christmas season. Several years ago, uh, before my family and I moved to Shelby County, we, um, we were part of a church out where I'm from. And every year this church did a big you know, Christmas production where they would um, reenact the story of Jesus' birth for the community. And so uh, this particular year, my son Caleb was born, and he's a late October baby. So he was about four or five weeks at the time. And so one day we're at church, and the, the director of the production came up to me, and she said, hey, we're looking for a live baby to play the part of baby Jesus. Y'all know where this is going, right? So, of course, I was like, that's awesome. Absolutely, you know, we'll do it. And so as we got a little closer to the production dates, they started doing uh, what are known as dress rehearsals, where everybody's in full costume, and they're running through uh, as a rehearsal, but they're, it's like it's the real thing. And so um, my baby boy here was, um, of course, playing the part of baby Jesus. We all know what Jesus wore, right? The Bible says he was born, and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. So he was, he was all swaddled up in these swaddling clothes. And we were waiting for uh, rehearsals to start, and I'm just kind of sitting back in the back. The church was pretty empty except for what was going on stage here. And I'm sitting, the house lights were down, I'm sitting kind of in the back, and I'm holding this baby, newborn baby in the dark, and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And it just, it dawned on me, like, wow, the Christmas story is coming to life right here in my arms. And it was just a really special moment. And I thought about Mary and what Mary must have felt, and probably a lot like I felt at that time, you know, joy and exhaustion and, uh, and relief. But then very quickly, my mind turned to God and what, what his perspective must be. And, and that's where I started to have some trouble, right? Like, here's God with his one and only son. And he sent him out of heaven, out of glory into this dark world, knowing exactly what would happen, right? Ultimately on the cross. And I was really struggling with that. And I'm here holding and looking at my only son at the time thinking, I don't, I don't get it. I can't get my head around it. It's, it's like the words that Allison just sang, you know, behold the Father's love beyond all comprehension. And that's where I was. I could not get my head around it. And I'm sitting there in the dark holding this baby, and I'm just kind of wrestling with this question of, like, how, God, how, why? And God just met me in that moment and very tenderly just whispered right in my spirit, you want to know why, Maria? You want to know why I sent Jesus into the world? He said, I did it for you. I love you. And this was how I, this was the way that I could reach you, save you, reconcile me unto you. First John 4.10 says, it gives us a definition of what love is. It says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
And then the very next verse after that says this, and this is how I'll close this morning. It says, Dear friends, because God so loved us, likewise, we ought to love one another. And that's what the Bible says that love is. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you made the greatest gift of love when you gave your only son a sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, I pray that you will help us give you the very best gift that we can give you, which is to accept that gift. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You stand to your feet again. Jesus wants to meet you today where you are. Let's join in and sing, O Holy Night. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Lift your voices. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn.
bounce back at me. That's how, that's how I really know. Man, I love, I love Christmas uh, worship at church. I love the Sunday. Uh, for those of you who may have uh, heard that, that I would be wearing something different today because you talked to the Thursday night crowd, uh, I was told that my Thursday night uh, apparel wasn't appropriate for Sunday morning. And so you'll just have to get on Facebook and find it. All right, I'll give you something to do today. Uh, we're really glad you're here today. I'm so glad because I love getting to see people. Because I know with, with Christmas, we have some of our families that go and travel and, and, and go find mom and dad and, and spend Christmas. But we also have people that come back. And I love that. I love getting to see people that I don't see throughout the year. I love that. But listen, guys, we got, we got to take a second here and celebrate. Because we have one special guest in the house today. The original, the original First Lady of Shelby Christian Church, Miss Verley's back there, and everybody can just wave, everybody can just wave, and uh, some of you, some of you that have no idea need to, need to figure things out, the history, uh, Kenneth and Verley are responsible for getting all this started uh, 55 years ago, and uh, we are so thankful. So thankful. Uh, so yeah, when I got the word this morning, I was I just I was staying in the back till I got to hug Miss Verley. And uh, you guys uh, need to, especially those of you who know, need to. She's back there. Blake will hold her up when you get back there at the end, okay? Because uh, you need to go say Merry Christmas. We're, we've been in this series that we've been calling the Advent Conspiracy for four weeks now, and we kicked it off talking about the very first part of this conspiracy to make a difference was to start off by worshiping fully. To worship fully, and in turn, as we worship fully, to spend less so that we can give more to be able to love all. That's where we are today. Love all. What, what does it mean? Love is this word. Love is this word that gets used a lot to describe our affections for things here in our world. We love a lot of things, don't we? I mean, think about it. Some of them are good. We love our kids. We love our spouses. We love our freedom. We love our sports teams. 
even when they're struggling. We, we love our chocolate. We love our steak. We love our pizza. We love our dogs. I know some people even love cats. I don't get it, but God bless you. Uh, we love a lot of things. We love so much that there are like a thousand songs on Spotify and other, other things, other apps like that, that a thousand songs with love in the title. I mean, you can find love for anything. In fact, so I thought we'd just take a little bit of stroll down memory lane. You're about to reveal your age based on how you respond to some of these, okay? So in 1956, Elvis wanted people to love me tender. And then a few years later, he's saying that he can't help falling in love. And even though he couldn't help falling in love, some obviously could because there were the righteous brothers who lost that love and feeling. <coughs> a few years later, the Supremes wanted people to stop in the name of love. While the Beatles told us that all you need is love. Then a few years later, the Partridge family. You remember the Partridge family? You are really aging yourself now, okay? I, I think I love you. I, I think I love you. Olivia Newton-John could say, I honestly love you. In 1975, the Eagles were willing to give the best of their love. And Captain and Tennille told us that love would keep us together. Then in 1976, Paul McCartney uh, was decrying all the silly love songs. And REO Speedwagon vowed in 1981 to keep on loving you. It was the only thing they wanted to do. Lionel Richie and Diana Ross knew that they would keep on loving because they sang about their endless love. And Tina Turner wanted to know what's love got to do with it in 1984. Then Whitney came along. Whitney Houston was saying, I'm saving all my love for you. Even at the same time that Foreigner said, I want to know what love is. Hmm. In more recent years, uh, we've, we've heard uh, Selena Gomez sing Love You Like a Love Song and Beyonce sing Crazy in Love and any number of songs about love gone bad from Tay. <laughs> While we patiently await her inevitable song about Travis Kelsey, Can't Help But Love a Chief. You know, <laughs> I may have added that one. Um, see, here's the deal. In Christmas, we see the Advent coming. That's what this has all been about. The Advent coming of love finding a way. Love that was humble. Love that wasn't about bringing attention to itself. Love that wasn't what any of us or any of those 2,000 years ago really expected. See, here's what love did. Love left heaven and moved into the neighborhood for a while. Listen to how the message reads in Philippians chapter 2. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God. Let that soak in. Equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, when the time was right, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave and became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life 
and died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death, a crucifixion. See, in those words, encapsulates what happened with the gospel and also challenges us, challenges us about how we were supposed to live. That God chose at just the right time to take on human form in the portion of the Trinity that we know as the Son, Jesus, and come to earth both fully God and fully man in that moment. It's a difficult concept to wrap your mind around, to understand that Jesus, while he was here, was still fully God. He was deity. But during those 33 years, he put that deity on a shelf and chose to live fully man so that he could understand and that we could understand and see one who lived in such a world yet without sin and then to die. See, some wonder, why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't he have just like forgiven everything? If you go back in the Old Testament, we'll talk more about this tonight uh, in in the evening services. But if you go back in the Old Testament, every time there was sin, any sin, there had to be sacrifice. That was the only way to pay for the sin. And the most common sacrifice that was given by God to man in those days was the death of a firstborn. Sometimes it was a dove, sometimes a pigeon, sometimes a sheep, a lamb, a goat. Whatever it might have been, it was the death of the firstborn. Last weekend, if you were here for any of our weekend services last weekend, you heard Jason talk about the rabbinical lambs that were being raised by the shepherds outside of Bethlehem as Jesus was being born. And they, they had to go through and find the ones that were perfect because those were the ones that were worthy to be sacrificed to pay for the sin. And so God left heaven and took on the form of man as the ultimate lamb of God, the perfect, spotless lamb of God. That's why it was so important that Jesus live without sin here, because that's what made him spotless. So then later when he died that death and rose from the grave, that thing we celebrate at Easter, it starts with Christmas, God leaving heaven and coming to live among us and to live a sinless life. That's what love is. And I want to consider that love today, how in this moment, in this time, in this event, that love found a way. It wasn't what most people would have done. In fact, given any of us, given that opportunity, okay, you created all these things down there on planet Earth, and they've really messed things up, and something's got to happen, and something's got to, we would have come in a much different way. We would have probably come with guns blaring, or in that day, maybe swords and spears. We wouldn't have come in love. But that's how, that's how God came. The love of God was demonstrated by sending Jesus, but it was without fanfare. There weren't trumpets. There wasn't a big parade, just a baby born in a little obscure village and placed in a manger. See, we use love in so many ways. Love food, love sports, love science. I love you. I love you are three of the most beautiful words that can be spoken. But unfortunately, they get spoken too often and too casually to where it's kind of like cry wolf. 
It's done so casually that when there's a real need, they're not heartfelt, not in the same way. What would it really look like? What does this love mean? Love means all kinds of different things to different people. If we were to do a survey all day today and the hundreds of people that are going to come through, we'd have, gosh, who knows how many definitions of love. But there was a, there was a book written uh, about love from a kid's point of view a few years ago, and kids were asked this question. What is love? I just want to share a few of their responses. One kid said, uh, it's when your puppy licks your face after you left him alone all day. That's love. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, another one said, it's the way someone says your name. Uh, someone says your name when your name is different, yet you know your name is safe in their mouth. Think about it. You remember when you, some, some of us in the room have like different names? A lot of us, like me, it's the middle name that's different. Not the, but, and so you don't ever have to deal with it except the first day of school. Remember? Remember that first day of school and they're checking the roll for the first time and the teacher reads your entire name. And for some, then you have to deal with it for a few weeks till all the other kids forget your entire name. Love is when someone says your name when your name is a little different and you know that your name is safe in their mouth. That's, a, that's pretty cool for a kid. And one kid said, it's when grandma got arthritis and she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So grandpa did it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. And a kid noticed that. A kid watched that and saw that and noticed that. I'm like, that's, that's awesome. Another said, love is what's with you in the room on Christmas when you stop opening presents and just listen. Just listen. Finally, another said, you should tell people you love them when you mean it because people forget. In other words, you need to say it more and more and more. What, what does the humble love of Jesus look like for us? See, I think the answer, I think the answer is wrapped up in the theology of Christmas. And, and that's this. God came for the poor, the sick, and the forgotten. That's who God came for. And we, in this room, encompass all of those people. Different stages of life, different specifics, but we are those people. The Apostle Paul said this. Check this out in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Now understand this, that verse of scripture and that mentality, that theology has virtually nothing to do with finances. Nothing to do with finances. It's important to understand that, that this doesn't mean that if you come to Jesus, you're going to suddenly be financially rich. What it means is Jesus left the glory. The glory of heaven. All this, we talk about it. We even think about it. We speculate about it. Some of us have even taken the time and read what the Bible says in the book of Revelation about streets of gold and how awesome it's going to be. But even those who haven't read that, they like, heaven is this like worldwide known utopia. If you believe it's there, you believe it's awesome, right? For people who in any level believe in heaven, they believe it's awesome. And what we need to understand at Christmas excuse me, is that Jesus left that. He left the glory of heaven and entered a world full of sin so that we who are spiritually poor 
could enjoy a relationship with God and all those riches in heaven someday. He left that to come pay the price so that we could get that. You get it? You understand it? Have you like really like, I mean, I, have you really thought that through? What that really feels? Because here's what, here's what I can tell you. And those of us in the room who have really, really dealt with that and wrestled with that can tell you, can tell other people that when you really get that moment, when you really understand that principle and that theology, it's one of those things that like the hairs on your arms stand up. You know the feeling I'm talking about? That tingle that goes down your back. That like almost keeps you awake at night. When you wrestle with the idea that God left that to come pay for what we messed up so that we could get that, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's the good news of Christmas that's given to the poor. Who, who are the poor? I want to suggest to you that the poor is anyone who's in need of God. So that pretty much gets everybody in, right? We're all in need of God. The good news of Christmas is that's why Jesus came. So 2,000 plus years ago, and we know the story or at least the basics, even if this is the first time you've been here, and we're glad you're here, but probably you walked in here today at least knowing the basics of the Christmas story, right? We, we understand that it's more than Santa Claus and presents, although we can track and we can put good things on that, but we know the basics of the Christmas story. So let me ask you this. If we believe on any level that Christmas changed the world over 2,000 years ago, can Christmas still change the world today? Those of you who attend here all the time, you say it every week or you say it along with us because we say at the end of every service we ever do, let's get out of here and go love God and love people and what? Watch him change the world. Our mission as a church is to be a community of changed lives. So do we believe in changed lives? The great news is that some of you here today are living, breathing, walking examples of changed lives. I mean, I, I, I love the privilege I get of standing up here every week and looking around and seeing changed lives. And knowing that while by no means I know every story, I probably know more stories than most. And I can look around and I can see people and it's just like, it's a struggle to keep focused and not to break, because I know, I know that for some of you that are here today, the change is so significant that if you could go back in your mind to December the 24th, 2022, and somebody told you that you would be sitting here today, you would have told them they were absolutely out of their mind because you couldn't have imagined it. And yet God stepped in. He left the glory and came to you came for you. It's like Maria was saying that when she had that moment when she was holding Caleb and the Holy Spirit spoke to her, Maria, I came for you. Some of you have experienced that this year, haven't you? And life's different. Life's changed. Can, can Christmas still change the world? Absolutely. We, we can't just tell the story of Christmas, though. What we've got to do is live it out. 
we need to live out the story of Christmas. It's more than going to a Christmas Eve service and singing a few carols. It's more than just standing up and yelling Jesus is the reason for the season or getting it on some pretty sweatshirt or sweater. It's more than holding up a picket sign. <coughs> Excuse me, a picket sign saying put Christ back in Christmas. It's understanding that God left heaven and came to earth for everyone. Everyone. God's love is for everyone. God's love at Christmas coming to earth is for those that would follow him and become what we call Christians. But it's also for those that are Buddhist and Muslims and also for people who live different lifestyles, for those who are choosing to live in a certain lifestyle, even if it's not pleasing to God, God came for everyone. Now here's the problem. For those who are still struggling, have you ever given someone a gift, like let's say grandma at Christmas? You go to grandma's house, or probably more likely grandpa. Grand, grandpas are more likely to do this than grandmas. You gave them what you thought was the most awesome present last year, and they unwrapped it, and they smiled, and they said all the right things and told you how wonderful the gift was and how much they appreciated it and how great it was. And you went back the next year, and that gift is still sitting by his chair where he put it last year when he unwrapped it. You ever gone through that? And, and, and so every year at Christmas, now you're thinking, what in the world do I get him? He's just going to put it by his chair. How do you think God feels when he gave you the greatest gift of all? And for some of those people that either because of a theological bent that somebody else put on them, a lifestyle bent that the world cast on them, they, God's love was for them. He gave them the greatest gift of all, and they haven't unwrapped the gift. They haven't accepted the gift. They haven't used the gift. They haven't taken advantage of that wonderful thing that God spent so much time thinking about and preparing and giving and is still sitting there unwrapped because they haven't accepted. They haven't really accepted Jesus for who he really is. I pray this Christmas would be that year. I, in fact, specifically, I pray that today, if, if you're that person and Jesus is still wrapped up next to your easy chair, that this might be the year that you unwrap it and invite Jesus in. And understand that there's a whole room full of people that are cheering for you to do it. And there's millions more already in heaven that are going to celebrate like crazy if you do. Remember how Jesus entered the world? One of the most humble entrances of a king and ruler ever. He came in humility. And he came into financial poverty. I mean, everything that we read and know about how, how and where Jesus was born and when he came, and even about his early life. I mean, come on, his mom is a young teenage girl and his dad is a carpenter, just working with his hands. He, he wasn't born into a palace, into financial freedom. He was born into poverty. And he lived under the authority of Rome. He, he lived under the authority of a government 
who was making people live in ways that were opposed to God's teaching. Huh, sounds kind of familiar. What do we do when we're living in that kind of situation? We do what Jesus did, and we just serve, and we just do what we can. Joseph and Mary, they weren't wealthy as seen uh, by the world standards, uh, they, they, but yet they were there. You know why they were in Bethlehem? They went for the census and to pay sacrifice to God. And while it was normally a little lamb they gave, <laughs> that year they were actually bringing the lamb. Mary was actually bringing the ultimate lamb to the party and to the, to the celebration. Jesus identifies with the vulnerable because he comes into the world vulnerable. Vulnerability is one of the most difficult things I think we deal with. And sometimes it comes in the fact of somebody just being vulnerable enough to show up at a church service when the last thing that they want to be around are people. People are people, right? People are sometimes awesome. Awesome in the way that we show and share love. But, you know, unfortunately, sometimes I had to tell people, you know, ministry would be a great thing if it wasn't for people. <laughs> because sometimes, oftentimes, always, those people are sinners. Messed up. And it's vulnerable to put your cards on the table when you're not really sure how they'll get played. But it's the only place that you're going to, the only way that you're going to find peace. Jesus was born into this world of poverty, and now it's our turn to respond to the poor. Once again, not financially, but how do we do that? Or not just financially. You've got to take time to look and watch. Watch body language. Remember people's names. Remember anniversaries and special days. Take time to look and see... I'm going to challenge you today when you leave here. <clears throat> watch faces. Watch faces as you're leaving here today. And watch faces wherever you might go, whether it be just back to the house with your family or out somewhere in public where you see. Watch faces. And look for faces that are obviously hurting. And just smile. Just smile. Just bring a little bit of glimmer of hope to someone who may be desperately needing it today. Understand that when you go out to those places, those looks that you might see may be because when the end of their work shift is over, they've got no place to go. And so just bring hope with a smile. Think of those who've lost a loved one this year. Wow. Christmas is hard. It's one of the things I can say to you and every year at this time say, I get it. Because nine years ago tomorrow morning at 7.30, my dad went to see Jesus. And that's changed Christmas for the last nine years. But what a great day to meet Jesus. <laughs> what a great day to meet Jesus. But I get it. I get it. It makes it a little difficult. Difficult. Some have dealt with illness in your own life. Some have dealt with illness and hardships in your children's lives this year. But God's done great things. We even hear it, right? Like, we've got a bunch of babies. 
We got a bunch of babies that have been born recently. And a couple of them went through difficult stuff to get here. And they're still in NICU at Baptist East. But one of them's coming home tomorrow and the other one's coming home in about 10 days. Because God is good. When you've been through a tough situation, how has someone shown you that you were noticed, loved, do unto others the same way, comfort as you've been comforted. Dallas Willard said, the first act of love is paying attention to someone. The book of Proverbs says, in chapter 21 says, open your ears to the cries of the poor. Mother Teresa, remember Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa said, if I look at the masses and I won't act, if I look at the one, I will. It's easy to look out across the crowd and say, ah, there's too much. I can't handle that. But when we focus on the one that we know, now we can take action. Now we can step into that moment. Love is more than just actions. It's our attitudes. It's being able to be patient when you're irritated or frustrated. Maybe because the four-year-old just won't be quiet. Or you're irritated and frustrated because... Your mom or dad keeps forgetting stuff. What if we acted differently? It's understanding the love language of the people that we really do love. It's loving beyond ourselves. It's loving our country, our city, our neighborhood. We can invite someone in. We can serve someone. We can give of ourselves to those who have no one. And share a few resources. Actually share some financial resources that would lead to some emotional victories in people. We give as we're compelled by the love of God. Let's not, this year, let's not simply tell the story of Christmas. What if we lived it out? Let's not only do that here, but throughout our community, throughout the world. Let's not hold on to our stuff we're, we get really like, we get a first world mentality or a third world mentality like, I don't have it. If I give this up, I might not, I might not, I might be in trouble. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Like when you are getting ready to go on vacation and you're packed up and you're halfway to the airport or on your drive and you suddenly forget, suddenly realize that you forgot the toothpaste and all of a sudden there's that discussion in the car. Oh my gosh. I didn't pack the toothpaste. I'm pretty sure we're in a first world country we can get more toothpaste. The garden rake's broke. I won't be able to rake leaves next year. Pretty sure we can get another rake. If you need help with that, let me know. Like, we, we, we lose sight. We focus on the wrong things. We play it safe. What if we just gave it away and trust God? You've been hearing a lot about this word for the last month together. Some of you know and embraced it fully well. It's been about their fifth or sixth year that you've been part of a together initiative. But our church has changed and grown so much this year that some of you, this is the first time. What's this together stuff? What are these red envelopes? Well, we've tried to explain just from the simple standpoint, it's trying to make a difference. We're trying to literally raise our entire missions, benevolence, and outreach budget for next year. That, that's a significant, we can put a number on it, we can put a value, it's a quarter of a million dollars, we can put a value on it, but it's, it's so much more than the number. 
It's the people. It's the lives that are changed. We've been showing you videos of some of our together partners. We've got one more. Watch this video uh, from some friends who are part of our church family in different parts of the world. Hey Shelby Christian Church family, Ashley and I just want to take a moment here to, to shoot this video and just expressing our thanks to you guys. So thank you all for your continued support and your prayers throughout the years. Um, we're just really grateful um, for that and for you. Yeah, thank you for being our home church. Thank you for being our sending church and for, like Joe was saying, your prayers throughout the years and for being partners with us in this ministry here in Italy. We are praying for you all, and um, we're praying that you guys have a blessed Christmas season. So thank you guys, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Dear friends and prayer partners from Shelby Christian, Dave and the elders and uh, all your crew, thank you very much for coming to Poland for our uh, uh, festival. Uh, uh, the volunteers, International Volunteers Festival. It means a lot. We have a, a lot of work to do, renovation and playing with the children at the Ukrainian camps, like now you're seeing uh, Ukrainian uh, children behind me, enjoying the time with your guys, with your people who have you have sent it our way. So thank you very much for prayers, for support, partnering with us, a long time relationship. Uh, great presence and we're looking forward into the future because we know the best is yet to come so we are expecting many more good things uh, serving together for his glory thank you Maui Devola Prime Minister's Poland contact camp I remember a few years ago like in 2019 when Joe and Ashley always sat in that section right over there and I would see them every Sunday, and Kim and I'd go out to dinner with them and things. And then they, they took on this challenge, this call to go to Italy. And you know when they moved to Italy? They moved to Italy like in January of 2020. <laughs> that set off any reminders to anybody? The next month. They had been there a month, and if you remember anything about the beginning days of COVID, like the epicenter was Italy. And here's this young couple that's halfway around the world and now quarantined and trying to figure out how to share Jesus. And now, now the ministry's exploding and God's doing so many cool things. And Maui and what he does with the ministry at Pro-Am, and some of you have been on that trip. We take a trip every year to, to Poland, to Pro-Am, to do a, a week of basketball camp. And you wonder, how does that really do ministry? Did you understand what Maui said? And I understand there's a difference in the, the, the dialect or whatever. Those kids that were in the picture behind you just playing soccer and having fun, they were there, most of them from either Croatia or the Ukraine this year. Do you remember historically what they've experienced in the last year of their lives? But to be able to come to a place where they can laugh and play and not worry about bombs and hear about Jesus. That's what together is about. 
That's what Together's about. So today, and especially tonight in our services, I mean, we're just asking people to, to give above and beyond what you would normally give, and maybe someone to do it in a significant way. Some of you have spent less this year so that you could give more, and Together's where it's going to be, and that's why. That's why. So you can use the red envelopes. Those of you that are really tech savvy and can do the QR code thing, there are QR codes all around the lobby. Just scan it and you can just text to give that way and really make a difference. Or you can just put it in the black boxes this morning or if you're going to be back for the evening services tonight. Because Jesus' gift applies equally to all of us. We started off the morning, I read to you out of Philippians chapter 2. I want to finish the morning by reading to you from Romans chapter 5. One of my very favorite verses in all the Bible. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The Apostle Paul is telling Roman people, Hey guys, here's how God loves us. Here's how God shows his love for us. That while we were still sinning, not after we got our junk together, not after we conquered our own issues ourselves, but while we were still messed up people and sinning, Christ died for us. That's love. That's amazing love. The servant king who was born to die so that those in the world might have life and be able to give generously of their lives. God gave the very best that he had for the very least, for the poor, for you and me. Let's give to the vulnerable among us, both here and globally, Remembering that as we do that, we're giving to Jesus. Just a moment, we're going to ask everybody to move. Some of you need to move to pray, and you can do that at your seat, standing, or you can kneel. You can come kneel along the steps. You can go kneel at the foot of the cross. And some of you just need to pray a little bit today. Some of you need to, hopefully all of us really need to give some, to give some. Uh, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice to give some. And you can do that in the black boxes. For all of us, most of us, it's a time to commune. And you need to go and get the emblems and come back to your seat and hold on to them. And then we'll sit down and take them together. Um, but some of you, today may be the day that it's time to be rescued. It's time to change not just your day, but your eternity. And some of you know exactly what that means, and some of you don't know what that means, but it sounds really good, and you'd like to know more about it. So as the music starts in just a moment, we're going to ask, as everybody moves, if you need answers to questions or you're ready, I want to get baptized today. First of all, understand this. You won't be alone. So the fear factor of being alone, mark that off your list, all right? So some of you just need to take a step and quit white-knuckling the seat in front of you and just let go and let God be king of your life. And so Bobby, Jason, some of our team will be down here by the baptistry. Go straight to them. And they'll either pray with you, talk with you, or take you back and help you get ready to be baptized. Let's all stand. And let's worship as we move together.
with the storms of life that come and the road ahead gets steep I will lift these hands in praise I will believe I will remind myself of all that you've done and the life I have because of your son Love came down and rescued me Love came down and set me free Forgotten for all of us. Love came down at Christmas. Have a seat for just a moment and let's get ready for take communion. Guys, the one who came to Bethlehem was born to die. And so we pray this. Merciful God, and we confess 
that we often find darkness more comfortable than light. We confess that we find your good news frightening and unsettling, especially when we consider its demands as well as its promises. We confess that Christmas has become more to us than the birthday of the Christ, partly because we do not want a Christ child in our lives or in our world. So God, forgive us. Break us. Bend us. Remold us. Remake us. And give us the courage to lay ourselves open to the wonder and healing of your coming. Be born again into our world. Be born again into our hearts and lives. Hear our silent and personal confessions as we prepare ourselves for your nativity and your return. Let's take the bread together. And let that be a reminder of his body. And then let's take the cup. Let that juice be a reminder of his blood. Christmas is all about celebrations. So it's time for a celebration. Good morning, church. Just back chatting with Jason in the back. He's like, how you doing? like, I get to have Christmas with my church family. Baptize one of my best friends and then go celebrate Christmas with my family. That's pretty much a perfect day. I also said as a Chicago Bears fan, if they win tonight, that would be amazing. But I think three out of four is good enough. So I want to introduce my friend, my brother. This is Justin Swisher. Uh, we've gotten very close over the last couple of years. So uh, Justin had a curveball thrown at him. We all, you know, life is hard. He had a bump of the road. He calls me up. He said, you know, I want to get right with God. I want to, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And I'm the guy you call when you need something heavy moved or a deck built, not the one you call when you need life advice or feelings and emotions. That's not really my thing. So all I said is, let's go. Those the Lord's came to my mind. And Justin met me at the front door of the church the next Sunday. On the way here, I'm praying to God. I'm like, why did he pick me? He's got a Rolodex of a lot of intelligent friends that he could talk to. I'm not the guy that you talk to about emotions and feelings. I'm just not that guy. And God said, let's go. And I'm like, great. That's the plan. Let's go. Here we go. Okay, that's it. We get here, and you'll remember this. God gave us exactly the message that we needed to hear. Dave's message that day was about relationships. And there was a graphic on the, on the screen that had a dot in the middle. And then there were circles beyond that. You God, because I knew he wanted to go get coffee after church, and I didn't know what to say. I didn't have to say anything. We had the message handed to us right here in this room, and that's exactly what he did. So, Justin, man, I'm incredibly proud of you because you did exactly that. There were good days, there were bad days, and there were some really bad days, but you always stayed on the high road. And you did the two things that you said that day that you were going to do. You, you promised yourself you were going to be the best version of yourself, first and foremost, which you worked on every single day. The second thing you did, there's two little girls here that are watching their daddy get baptized. And he said, I want to be the best father I can possibly be. Yes, so brother, sir. I'm yeah. proud of you for doing that. It wasn't easy, but he did. All right. Let's go. Now the fun part. Repeat after me. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. And I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. All right, brother. With that confession, I will now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life. Come this way. Cover your nose. tonight will be a new Christmas miracle, okay? So, <laughs> no, no. Hey, guys, I'm glad you're here. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Uh, just so that you know, the Christmas Eve services tonight at 6 and 11 are different than what we've just done. Uh, tonight, it'll just be all uh, very traditional. It'll be all about carols and, and just the Christmas story. And we'll talk about this center white candle, the Christ candle. And so th- it'll be different than this morning. And next week is our treat. Those of you who've been around a while know that it's kind of a tradition that the last Sunday of the year, Mark Jones, uh, Doc's brother, uh, will be here uh, to share with us. And I I'm telling you, he's always great, but what he's got to share next week, you don't want to miss. It's going to be like off the hook. you got to be here Thursday night. He'll be doing it, and then also the regular services next Sunday. You guys know what time it is. Let's get out of here. Let's go love God, love people, and watch him change the world. We'll see you guys.